Namaste, family. Welcome to Subtle Storm. My name is Sky, and thank you for showing up for yourself today for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the finale of season one of this podcast. And a lot of people probably don't even know what the heck you know, the seasons are for this show, and while they really don't necessarily matter, it does kind of give context to how the next transition of episodes is going to lay out. So basically, this beginning kind of season one is pretty much showing you, or not even showing you, just giving my perception of what it means to be, quote-unquote, a spiritual being, and we'll get into that. But Season two, however, is going to be more conversational and just kind of different ideas, more personal. Instead of me trying to tell you or show you something, it's more of going to be a conversation. And it's going to be a lot more in-depth and personable topics that are more intricate and more difficult to dissolve in that way. But I digress with that. I hope that you will join me in season two and let's get into today. So today I wanted to end with talking about this term called self-love or self-appreciation or things of that nature. And this is so complex in a way because we are taught so young that we are supposed to have self-love. And while this is not a bad thing to be passing on through generations and telling our children and telling our friends, it is. it makes it more difficult to kind of polarize. So it's either you hate yourself or you love yourself. It's never really in between and it's never spiritual. And it's difficult to say that having... It's difficult to tell people also that, you know, saying that you just because you love yourself quote unquote means that you're you may might not be really spiritual i don't want to that isn't is not exactly what i'm trying to say it in a way it's that's a little bit ignorant (laughs) in a way to say but you'll see what i mean exactly by this and it's not to say that they aren't spiritual beings it's just that the concept of having self love or self-hatred or any those polarizing ideas is not necessarily to our truest being in that way and why I say that is because for example when let's say you're you're standing in a line at a checkout center at a store and you have a parent parent couple (laughs) with a child, a young child who's maybe about three or, no, I would say like five or six. Because that is when you really start intaking most information is five or six, maybe around seven. And let's say that this child is very childlike, very curious about things, maybe very talkative, maybe seemingly disruptive to the people around them that are waiting in the line as well. And the parents, which out of nature and their maybe courtesy to others, is to 
quiet the child down, to calm it down, to tell them, you know, it's not okay to act like that in a social situation. And this is kind of ingrained, like, this is what we expect within society to have a well-behaved child, to, you know, be presentable, and while this is not bad, this does give the infant mind a moment to be like, well, this is who I am. I'm being, I'm acting off of my instincts. You know, they're obviously not thinking about this, but this is what's going through the psyche. You know, I am just acting. I, I, I'm doing the things that are curious to me. You know, I, I'm just flowing. And here are my parents who are raising me and the, are the figures in my life who are highest and what I look up to to teach me and, and help me grow are telling me that it's not okay to be me in this social situation specifically. And then we go through life. And this is the human condition that I'm talking about. This is not spirituality. This is simply the human condition. And this is almost always a given in any type of situation, unless you are maybe in a third world country where they don't really care about things like that. But we, in a conditioned society and a more poised society, I guess you could say, have these kinds of um, growth, not growth, but passed on standards that affect us mentally. So as that child grows up, they have that in the back of their head because I'm sure there will be more situations that continually push that narrative of you can't be yourself. And it's not that the the parents are in, like directly saying that you cannot be yourself. It's that you have to abide by social rules and social standards to be accepted. And then your brain intakes that as not being accepted, maybe not feeling good enough, maybe not feeling comfortable in that way. And you grow up with this baseline, like this becomes the baseline. And we, as human, our human brains intake that consistently. And that's where those judgments come from. And that's where a lot of those kind of self-image problems come up because maybe depending on how your parents said that to you, the intensity to which they said it to you increased the intensity that you felt it or decreased it. Some people, you know, have that underlying, but it was never like an intense thing that was really prominent in your life, but it still was there. It's kind of literally the baseline that we have going into any social situation. And to be aware of that, right, is where we can come out of it and draw the conclusion. But what I mean to say is, from this, you know, this is where we understand that, okay, this is how our brains are, are literally set up. Like, this is, you know, this is not us. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from, is that we we feel this way and then we, we kind of retract on ourselves and be like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like, you know, I, I am good enough. Like, why why do I feel like this? And then we have that on top of resentment towards ourselves that we are, you know, feeling this way. And while this is not beneficial to our mental, and then we start to say, okay, well, but I feel like I hate myself. I feel like I don't like myself. Let's do the opposite and let's love ourselves. Let's let's give everything to ourselves and, and fully give us ourselves love. And while I always preach on having unconditional love for everyone and everything, well, it's different in a in a weird way to try and explain unconditional love to saying I love myself. And this is difficult. This is definitely difficult to explain. 
But what I mean by that is that we're polarizing it. So it's either that we hate ourselves or we love ourselves. And I think changing the way that we verbalize this and instead saying primarily because we want to recognize our immediate human condition to this affiliation. And in that way saying, okay, I understand that I'm human and I'm going to have these things that I might not like about myself and that's okay. But, you know, I can have appreciation for the things that I don't like about myself and if it's tangible and fixable, I will fix it to make myself happier in that way if that is, you know, a cause of suffering and can be implemented to change that narrative, of course. But if it's something that, you know, you, I mean, but even that is saying, you know, you still want to accept that. Even if you are trying to change it, still accept that it is there. It can be changed and you will change it, but it's still there and it was there and that's okay. And just like having any traumatic experience or emotional experience validating yourself, saying, it's okay that I feel this way. It is okay that I'm having this experience. And I think that when we talk about specifically, quote-unquote, self-love, we want to really emphasize the humanity behind our nature and to accept that, you know, there's going to be things that we don't love about ourselves and it's not a bad thing to not like those things. We're conditioned that way. We are, you know, naturally built this way to have those kinds of predisposed awarenesses or judgments in that way, but we are capable of changing it. But to give overall complete acceptance and acknowledgement to the place that we are, the things that we like, the things that we don't like, and that in itself, the things that we do and don't like are part of our ego. So if we disconnect from the ego and just accept ourselves and this entity that we live in, this personality, this ego that we embody as just being human, we can truly learn to grow, to, to evolutionize in that way if we really, if we wanted to think about it like that, we can really reach enlightenment if that's our, if that's what we want to attain more easily in this experience, in this human experience by embracing our humanity. And embracing our humanity in almost every sense of the word means to embrace all of the quote-unquote negativity or positivity. Any of that is human. And any self-love, any quote-unquote self-love, or any of those things is part of our humanity and we should love and accept that. And what I mean by love is accept. <laughs> Truly, whenever I say the word love, it really does mean to accept. And by accepting ourselves in our truest and fullest human condition and human immediate reaction, immediate anything like that, it is to accept our truest self, and to accept the nature of humanity and thus accept everyone around us. It makes life thus much easier. And this is so much easier said than done in some ways, especially if you're caught up in the anxious mind or if you're caught up in any aspect of that humanity. If you're pinpointed onto one specific aspect of that humanity and trying to relieve it from its hum humanity if that makes sense, in this way saying, like, I, I don't love myself in this way, and how can I fix it, and being so focused on that, that you're not allowing yourself to be human and to have that experience, right? We want to embrace some of those aspects of being human because those are incredibly beautiful. To, to look in the mirror and sometimes be like, I don't really like this body, but 
it's mine. I accept it and I, I'm, I'm living within it. And this is okay. I accept it exactly where it is, but my ego does not like it at this time. And this takes a lot, a lot of self-awareness. And what is self-awareness? <laughs> but it does. It really, it takes a lot to come to this understanding. But to know this, especially the human condition of being, even just having the realization of like, oh, we're built like this. Like we, we come with these, with these set of rules in a way that, you know, define how we view the world in certain aspects. And I actually, maybe I, maybe I do love myself or maybe, you know, maybe I do accept myself deep down, which you do. <laughs> your, your spirit really truly does. And how can I get my humanity in that way to line up with that? And it's so beautiful. It really is. This this entire process and this entire realization is is amazing. The the human experience and the human bliss is incredible. And I bring all this here to simply say that, you know, this kind of I'm gonna call it self-love, but what I really mean by this is that self-appreciation and self-acceptance. And to really have this this knowledge within us is to be our highest form of self, to fully accept the entirety of this reality that we live in as ourselves, within our body, within our mind, without our body and our mind, within our spirit, is to truly become one with the universe. Because once we're one with ourselves, we are one with God, we are one with nature, whatever you define God to be as, we will get into that. <laughs> Don't, whenever I say God, it is not, you can define it as whatever you like. For me, it is source, it is nature. But I digress. When we, you know, when we become close with ourselves, we're becoming one with nature again. We're becoming one with everything. And it makes it thus much easier to step into any portal of life. And, you know, I want to give examples as well because this may be seemingly unattainable for some people and I think having examples of what this can look like physically on this physical plane is kind of important to bringing it all together because while it's quite difficult sometimes to kind of correlate the relation between this human experience and our divine nature and our divine connection in that way especially in this sense and so you know, an example of this kind of self-appreciation is, well, in general, just to live your life in accordance of acceptance with yourself and whatever you do. To have a mindfulness attached to any action that you take and just by saying, you know, I accept myself. Or if you look in the mirror and you are like, ugh, you know, just be like, ah, I'm here. I accept you and I love you and I I appreciate where you are and who you are and what you look like and it doesn't matter. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. It do- it really doesn't matter. <laughs> we are cosmic beings in these bodies that are presented for other people's approval which we don't need if we have that love and acceptance of ourselves. But on on the physical plane, this can look like doing yoga. This can look like giving yourself discipline. This can look like singing because you want to sing. This can look like, you know, not caring what somebody is going to say of you. Or if you do feel like you care about what somebody is saying about you or what somebody is viewing of you, take a moment. And this process is a part of it. Take a moment, step back and be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. 
it's okay. I accept me. And they are entitled to their own judgment because that is a part of their journey and that is what their conditioned life has shown them and they have not been able to grow out of that. And I wish them love and blessings and have that compassion for them, have that compassion for yourself and acceptance overall of where they are. Accept exactly who they are, exactly how they view, what they feel, all of those things for what they are and allow that to come back to you and just flow and accept and love and this is what I believe it means to be quote-unquote spiritual and I also want to bring around the topic of first of all (laughs) forget that I'm saying this is spiritual this is not spiritual and I want to bring this into awareness before I end the season because you know what I'm defining as spiritual is just my way of communicating this to a broad audience of people who want to understand spirituality, quote-unquote, and I keep saying quote-unquote, but it's, I'm putting, every time I say these things, I'm putting up air quotes, because spirituality is not spirituality. I, I, the definition is, in my opinion, goes completely against what I believe spirituality is, or what this knowing and this divine connection, or what this, you know, humanly knowing really truly is and I think it is just bringing about this mindful awareness into our humanity in ties with our divinity and that's really simply it and these just few parameters that I'm putting on it are the best way that I feel is to describe the nature of nature and the nature that we live in and that we want to define as spirituality. All of these words in our <laughs> in our vocabularies in any language are made up <laughs> in that way besides um, Sanskrit because I do firmly believe that Sanskrit really does resonate with every point, every frequency of our body and that's why we understand it out of nature. But every other word, every definement is all defining. And while it is part of our human existence to define those words, I don't believe that they truly define anything. It is the power that we give to them, obviously. And I'm sure in the next season, we will get into little topics like that, such as why do we define things in in this world? Or uh, I'll give you a little, little sneak peek. Let's see. I've got a I've got a little list going for everything. So one of them is finding your pers- your purpose and passion by deconstructing outside influences and expectations and addictions and its roots beyond substance. We're going to go into some psychedelics. We're going to go into sexuality and can you do without being the doer? Different little things like this, and I really hope that you guys do stay tuned, and hopefully that you didn't identify yourself too deeply with the things that I said in this first season. This was really just to give an overall awareness of the type of thinking and um, beliefs, I guess you can say, that I will be bringing into the second season based off of my own personal attainment, my own personal journey, and this is what it means to me. This is what I hope that you will not, well, not that I want you to take out of it, but, you know, that it can give you some sense of awareness, some sense of aha, you know, or ah, so, 
whatever you feel like your human existence, your human perception wants to gain from whatever I say, I hope and I pray that it benefits you in some way in this life and existence. And I wish you blessings all the time, always, forever. And I can't wait to see you guys in season two. But let us not forget, this is not going to discontinue in season two either because I love doing this. But we're going to read page for Ram Dass. Okay, this is extraordinarily long. Extraordinarily long. I'm going to flip it again. All right. The Buddhist says, I'm talking about the non-dualistic Buddhists. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that, surely. <laughs> okay. Cut out all this middle stuff. They say, don't get hung up on all these different desire trips. Just go beyond it all. But as four noble truths are very straightforward and very simple. The first one concerns the fact that life always has in it the element of unfulfillment. Call it suffering, like we just talked about. Birth, old age, sickness, not getting what you want, getting what you don't want, even getting what you want in this physical world is going to be suffering because you're going to lose it. It's always in the time. Anything that is in time is going to pass away. Lay not up your treasures. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, that's the trap of time. As long as you want anything in time, it's going to pass because time passes. And this is a perfect conclusion to today. Namaste.